Welcome to High Beam, a BMW Motorrad New Zealand podcast produced by Kiwi Rider, celebrating 40 years of GS. Join us at the GS Rally, Wided Upper, November 2020, in association with BMW Motorrad New Zealand. All bikes welcome. For more info, head to facebook.com forward slash GSRallyNZ. That's G-S-R-A-L-L-Y-E-N-Z. Kia ora, my name is Ray Heron. Joining me this episode, uh, the writer of the High Beam series, Matthew Day Gillett. G'day Matt, how you doing? Hey man, yeah, not too bad. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, nice to be here on what is a um, the final episode of our High Beam 2020 series. It's been quite a good series, 13 episodes looking at BMW GS bikes and celebrating 40 years of GS. And so what I wanted to do is just get together and, and kind of talk about the, uh, the 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 thoughts behind the scenes as you were writing all the uh, the, the focus bike episodes yep. and I was voicing and producing them and then I was having conversations with GS riders all over the country um, but there was so much more behind the scenes that we didn't get to share. Yeah, true, true. Uh, all the uh, searching for our own fantasy GS is amongst it. Uh, I don't know about you but um, I really caught the bug. I had me thinking so many things, um, particularly um, your interview s- series, like just to step away from what I did. Um, I listened to every single one of those and they were brilliant. Um, the G- it was really good to catch up with those people and, and hear the stories, you know, the stories that generally you'd probably hear at an event over a beer, but only if you knew those people, right? And it just gave me a sense that the GS communities were one of those special little communities. Like you don't get that. Like, all right, I've met one other person with a Honda I ride, I ride a Honda, and um, yeah, there's not really that sort of sense of community around the Hondas, but with the Beamers, you've got that whole GS community, and there's like this team spirit going on. Very much so, and right behind that in New Zealand is the uh, BMW Motorrad uh, Club of Aotearoa New Zealand, which I'd love to, I've, I've done a few over the uh, over the course of the High Beam series, but I'd like to uh, do another big shout out to those guys. Um, thank you very much for giving us the access to the members of the club, uh, because every single one of those interviews we did was a member of that club, um, regardless of what they ride and where they ride and where in the country they were. Uh, so thanks very much to the BMW Motorcycle Club of Aotearoa New Zealand. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, it was really good to, uh, to have that support from so many BMW owners and riders. Uh, so episode one, we kick things off talking to Paul Kane. He rides a uh, 2016 BMW R1200GS Adventure. Uh, and Paul's a delightful gentleman who is also heavily tied up with IAM. Um, so it was really good to hear Paul's backstory on his um, BMW and why he bought the R1200 GSA um, in, in Army Camo Green, I believe it was. Oh, what a great colour. <laughs> and oh. in episode two, we uh, we wound the clock back to uh, 1980 to look at the BMW R80 G slash S. So Genesis, but also kind of uh, an anomaly because it was the G slash S. It was like the only time they, they said G slash slash s right yeah uh, apart from quite recently and it's hard to quantify it as an actual gs bike because it's based on an r9t but they did bring back the slash in between g and s uh for the r9t urban gs um which is a lot more parry than dakar um that's yeah i'm not too sure how off-road i'd take that bike um but it's a cracking bike as well that um 
oil-cooled 1200 engine. Um, but the R80, um, I, what a story. Um, not going to lie, that was the easiest story to research. There is just so much info on that and it's Genesis. Really? I was going to ask you that because it's like a long time ago, 1980. It's before you or I were born. There was no Kiwi Rider magazine back then. I was thinking maybe this is a bit of a difficult one because you're winding back the clock so far, but not so. No, that um, that one basically wrote itself. Um, it was like, very easy to get in depth and really get hooked into it. Um, that's... Um, the following, t- well, those first three episodes I wrote, which were episode two, four, and six, um, where um, I got really, really enthused and found it just easy to just smash out the time, do the research, and um, get it done. And the entire time I was writing those, I had a, a tab open with Trade Me and um, Facebook Marketplace, and I was just going through looking for beamers. Because, um, yeah, they really, those early bikes really. I don't know. They put their hooks into me. Um, no, not that I. I know what you're saying. I got the exact same bug um, after producing episode two, the R80G slash S. I did. I'm not a big one for getting on Trade Me and loading up my watch list with with you know different bikes, but I did search for an R80G slash S, foolishly thinking, oh, these are old. You know, I'll be able to pick up one for a couple <laughs> of thousand dollars. There wasn't even one for sale. Oh man, I came across. Um I think it was a R80. It may have been an R100, um, one of the early ones. But yeah, not not cheap money. <laughs> um, those bikes are um, they've hit rock bottom a long time ago, and their prices are just going to go up from here. Um, I feel um, now the best bargains at the moment, um, from my looking, um, can't get a Funduro, the F650, for cheap these days either. That's bounced back up again. Um, R1200s are where it's at for uh, cheap BMW GSs, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, the R80, that was such a fan, like a fascinating episode to write because not only did it save BMW Motorrad from extinction, really, um, by just taking the box and going all the way outside it and redesigning um, the motorcycle playbook while they were at it, um, but it had that motorsport heritage as well. Uh, I think it was, what, four or five Paris Dakar wins in total. Um, and three of those were on the trot. Um, it's a really phenomenal story and a phenomenal bike. And then, obviously, they threw that, um, they sort of withdraw their, withdrew, sorry, their factory support from doing the Paris Dakar because they'd been there, done that. And then the R100 came along. Um, but that R80 is just such an important motorcycle in motorcycling. Um, I'd argue it's one of the sort of five bikes that really changed mo- the face of motorcycling and for the better. It did. It definitely in- invented that uh, that inv- adventure class, really, didn't it? It took, took a, a, a bike that was not made to do what it did, and it was probably one of the first or the first bike that was modified by the factory to do what it did. Yeah, and like <laughs> the story behind it, like basically parts been special but a part's been special that actually not only worked, but like I said, it changed the face of motorcycling. Like you look at parts been specials today and everyone sort of looks and go, Oh yeah, cool. But um, there's nothing really to get excited about the modern T 
take on sort of bolting a bit of this, a bit of that together and uh, chucking it out to market, is there? Speaking of parts bin specials, episode three of High Beam, we had a chat to Gary Williams. What a decent bloke. And he owns one of six New Zealand new 2005 BMW HP2 Enduros. Uh, That was a bike that I'd never even heard of before I had that interview. And uh, if you haven't listened to episode three of High Beam with Gary Williams, go and have a listen. Man, decent bloke, and what an amazing bike. He's got a couple in his garage, and he just goes for a ride. He, pick, he gets up in the morning, goes, oh, I've got to go to work. I'll pick one. Oh, what a terrible problem to have, eh? Um, I, that's definitely um, on my list to re-listen to, because just that bike, those HP2s are just insane. Um, the f- fact that they built it, I think what they built it to take on the- The KTM? What was it? The KTM Super Enduro? And that's not a, like that bike, they made a lot more of those than they made HP2s from what I understand. And the HP2's just cool. Like I keep looking at, um, again, the old trade me habit because, yeah, I'm at home a lot. and uh, It's a problem you've got, isn't it? Anything you're talking about, you're looking at on trade me. Yeah, um, but I keep looking at um, the idea of um, getting like a, an R-series Roadster and slapping some better suspension on it to make a modern HP2 because there's no way you can do it with um, sort of an old school um, an older bike like a R1200 or an R1150 um, there's just too much stuff in the way um, interestingly enough um, while we were producing the series Roland Sands did a GS bike build um, and took a I believe it was an R1200 and fully remade it in the style of uh, Gaston Rahier's uh, R80GS um, from the Perry Decker. I've also got to apologise because I got the pronunciation of his name uh, in the first two episodes completely wrong. <laughs> well, he, to be fair, what was he? He's Belgian um, with a French name. So, so it's not guessed on Rahia. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of the R100GS, episode four was the second scripted episode in which we did dive deep into the second iteration of the GS motorcycle, that R100. And of course, we all know the uh, the story behind uh, VG slash Ben's R100GS. Uh, so this was an interesting one for me. Yeah, it was interesting for me too, because apart from uh, like everyone else, utterly falling in love with the Red Baron when you sort of get up close and see the thing. Um, I didn't actually know too much about the um, R100s other than the fact that um, for quite some time they were the go-to bike for looping the world on. Um, so it was quite fascinating to learn sort of the changes between the R80 and the 100. And it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we'll slap a bigger motor in it. Um, they did a lot of tweaking. They redid the um, rear suspension, that monolever uh what else? Oh, it was just phenomenal. It was really interesting to see the different um, the, the different fairing styles uh, between the different you know facelift kind of models as well. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I suppose we'd call it a facelift. The um, the second series of the R one hundred when they went away from the sort of traditional, I guess you call it a standard um, kind of aesthetic where you just have the tiny little bikini screen and your wide bars and you're sitting up perched on top to having that full fairing with an exoskeleton cage around it to protect it if you fall. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a neat bike. Those. <laughs> and um, one thing I remember, like the first time I ever saw the Red Baron in person um, was at the New Zealand launch of the R1250GS. Um, and I remember looking at, I think it was the right-hand side cylinder head and there's this dirty, great big oil cooler just bolted <laughs> in front of it. And 
I, for the life of me, I was like, is that factory or is that something you put on? I was asking uh, VG and he's like, no, that's factory. And I was like, like my, all my OCD for symmetry and everything was like raging going, Oh my God, that's, Oh. It was def- it definitely gave you the, th- the, th- the thought that it was an afterthought, right? It was never it was never something that was that was integrated into the engine. It was just oh no, hang on, we need an oil cooler slap. Yeah, like, uh, but hey, it was what the nineteen eighties, early nineties when they were building these bikes. Um, things have changed, um, and a lot as we've gone through this entire series, we've just sort of chronicled the leaps and bounds technology has taken, um, and the motorcycle. Um, industry as a whole has just completely changed since these bikes first appeared. In episode five, we had two interviews. Dale Gova on his uh, 2008 1200GS adventure. He's also got a 2009 1200GS. And Ken Wilson on the 2016 F700GS. That was a good conversation between those two gentlemen. Um, And the first time that we had actually talked to anyone that was riding anything less than a 1200, um, not including that, you know, that HP2. Um, And so it was good to catch up with them. Also, uh, Dale was the guy who won the big bike category on the uh moto gymkhana course at shiny side up in nelson um he decided that he wanted to do a tight little weavy cone course (laughs) and why not do it on a big bike (laughs) what a legend right (laughs) proof that some yeah that skill knows no bounds (laughs) and those bikes uh, they're big I mean, the G, the 1200GS Adventure is not a small bike, but they're still nimble, and, and it just shows that that kind of that weight and bulk just kind of melts away once you get a bit of movement going Heck on. Heck yeah. Um, just recalling that um, 1250 launch, um, I personally, for slow manoeuvres, I thought the GS Adventure was um, the better planted bike. It just it felt like you could inch along doing a full lock U-turn on that thing, and because you've got that low-slung boxer engine and all that weight from what 30 liters of fuel um it just sits there you could almost like i'm not a trials rider or anything but i felt like one which is weird on a bike that large episode six um saw us delve into the world of the f series bmw gs bikes the f650 gs funduro uh and this was interesting because a lot of the people we interviewed caught the bug for gs motorcycles from the funduro i'm not gonna lie i out of all the bikes I thought would be attainable projects um, in the lineup, uh, looking forward to next year's GS rally, um, I was thinking, oh, it would be great to sort of build up a bike from sort of give some life to something that's had a bit of a hard life. It's got a few Ks and that. And I was thinking, oh, I remember um, F650s going for around a couple of grand not too long ago and went and did the have a search on trade me. Cheapest one I could find was four and a half grand. <laughs> And that's this is for a mid nineties F six fifty Funduro with a Rotax engine, and I was like blown away. Some of them are a little bit fugly though, aren't they? Oh, I love the jelly bean style. I would have an early Funduro over the yet late model G six fifty GS in a heartbeat. I think they're really cool. Um, there's just something about that nineties late, like sort of that period where everything sort of was just swoopy and had lines, and every bike had its own distinct bum. <laughs> um, like you can't look at a um, F650 in the rear and go, oh yeah, that's that looks great. That's a nice bum. It's, it's an F650 bum. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just something I quite, I was very, very taken with the F650 Funduro and it was a fun article to ride because 
that sort of brought the GSs back to the grassroots, sort of to the, the young up-and-coming riders. It was BMW's entry-level bike um, for such a long time until quite recently it was the smallest BMW you could buy. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a fun thing. And a lot of people, as you say, caught the bug for BMWs through that bike because as soon as Lambs came around, all of a sudden you can buy a brand-new BMW um, and start your riding career. Um, and yeah, it was oh bloody good fun. Episode seven saw us stick with the F series GS bikes. Uh, we had a chat to Stephen Oatley on his 2017 F800 GS adventure. And the F800 GS um, is a funny one because that's the one that's not actually an 800cc, right? Uh, the early parallel twins, um, you may be recalling. Um, so when they moved away from the Rotax engine, uh, BMW moved to a parallel twin and they called it uh, the F650 still um, for God knows what reason, because I believe it was about a seven, 798, seven, like a very late 700 CC uh, motor. But they also did F800 at the time as well. Um, and the 650 was the detuned version of that. And it was very confusing. It, they should have just called it what it was, right? A spade a spade? Yeah, sort of. Well, you'd call it, um, you'd put a marker on it or something like an L or um yeah, not put an R against the uh, the racy hot one. Um, it was a, it's a funny thing that they did, but then again, they're still up to it these days with the 750 850s. Uh, the 750s have the same motor; it's just uh, retuned. So BMW just they go things a bit differently, as we sort of learned. Episode eight saw us delve into BMW's first GS motorcycle made outside of Europe. And not only that, the smallest GS motorcycle to be made, the G310GS. And I still haven't ridden one of these, but I'm told I'm going to be riding one uh, at the actual GS rally. Yeah, I um, I wasn't sure if you were aware of that. I was going to blow the news to you. Um, it's the exact same bike I rode last year. It's a cracker of a little bike. Uh, fitted out with Midas, uh what was it? E09 tyres, so they're proper knobbies. Um, I don't think whatever the heck I'm riding, I still don't know what I'm going to be riding. I, all I've been told is I'm not going to be riding my own bike. Oh, you're not going to be riding Rosie? No, not going to be riding the Rosie the Rally um, for the rally. As far as I'm aware, apparently it will be something from either the BMW group or possibly something maybe Triumph branded um, or Triumph Motor Guzzi, not too sure. It'll be coming from that same distribution family. Man, I'll be jealous if you get that new Tiger. <laughs> I'll be packing myself because I haven't ridden anything that powerful in the dirt for a very long time. Uh, but it'll be very interesting. But yes, you'll be on um, the little red G310GS. And in a way, I'm kind of jealous because um, it was such a fun little bike to ride. And they're criminally underrated. You're sitting there smirking thinking mm, it's a 313 cc am i that am i that transparent yes you are <laughs> <laughs> you can see it you can see it through the gloom in your studio through the going, it's not a container is it <laughs> no it is a brilliantly well set up little bike um and for the money like yeah they're um best thing about them they're still the only bike in that entry-level adventure class where you can be riding along push a button ABS turns off and you can sort of see, all right, cool, there's the road turns to Tarsil up there. You can push the button again and the ABS turns back on again. 
every other motorcycle, you have to stop. Technically, the KTM, you can keep doing it, but um, it's not advised. Um, speaking to KR's Jock McLaughlin, um, you have to go through so many menus. It's a bit dangerous to try and do it while you're on the fly. It is. It is. You've got to, you've got to be a PlayStation master to, uh, to switch it while you're actually moving. Yeah. So it's honestly, it's, it's back to basics GS motorcycling. And like, there are so many people that love these bikes. And um, in our country, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's criminally overlooked. Um, and I'll admit, I am one of the people that overlooked it. Um, I had ridden it before and oh, it was just gaga over the bike that's sitting over my shoulder here. Um, and yeah, I, in a way, sometimes I think hmm, maybe the GS would have been the better bike to buy at the time. Um, but yeah, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't Always. it? Always. Episode 9 saw us uh, head over to the Hawks Bay to talk to a gentleman by the name of Falker Levino. Now, Falker is in his 80s, and he's got a 1964 R60, and he's just picked up a pristine mint condition na- to 1992 R100 GS. Honestly, this dude is like my hero now. Like I... I don't know if I want to be still riding when I'm in my 80s. I don't know if I'd trust my skills that much. I barely trust my skills enough now as it is at 31. But, um, mate, like that's something to aspire to, isn't it? Still riding in your 80s. Yes. Uh, and the only reason he doesn't do more gravel is because he's he's quite often riding on his own. Yeah, which is fair enough. Um, again, well, I don't hold anything against him. Um, like the only reason I ride in the gravel alone is because I'm absolutely desperate to get out there and have some fun and... Um, I just make sure I go places where if I fall over and hurt myself, there's plenty of traffic to come and scoop me back up. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose if you're 83, um, yeah, a little fall could be um, a big fall as uh, your age, your bones get a little bit more uh, delicate and such. Um, but what a what a gent. And the, his whole bike story was absolutely fascinating. It sure was. Uh, episode 10 saw us move into the world of the bigger GS bikes. Uh, episode 10 saw the R1100GS, R1150GS, and the R1200GS. And this was really when things went high tech, wasn't it? Yeah, well, um, I had to... I, initially, when we were planning the series... I took one look at the R1100 and thought that thing's hideous. I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. I don't want to even look at it. Uh, But as this sort of series developed along and it's still the ugly duckling. um, If you could say that um, it was pre asymmetrical headlights and um, everything, but out of all the old GSs, it's the one aesthetically that doesn't do it for me, but we had to include it because it was such a changing point in the story of the GS because that was the first time tally lever suspension factored in. Um, the first time, and that has been a defining characteristic of the big GSs ever since. So yeah, from the from the R eleven hundred, things just keep getting bigger and bigger and more high tech, and things keep getting bolted on. And we ended up uh, eleven R eleven fifty, and then up to the R twelve. Yeah, and it was with that eleven fifty, um, in my view at least, um, that the whole GS and adventure bikes took off. Um, and I know there's a whole lot of haters out there, but long way round. I remember reading somewhere that um, basically long way round was worth at the time and i didn't go into finding out how much that is in current currency but one million pounds in 2004 money and just sort of 
free advertising alone for BMW, and that was just in the UK. And when when the guys from Long Way Around came to BMW and said, "Can we have some bikes?" They were like, "Well, that's you're re- you're pretty much asking for nothing." Yeah, sure, okay, here you go. They didn't realise how how big it was going to get. Yeah, like the sales exploded. Um, and ever since, um, basically, that was the point where the GS went from sort of a very strong seller and it just cemented itself as BMW's top seller. And I'm pretty sure it's not left that spot um, throughout its um, run now. That's, what, 16 years? Um, and um, like the bike itself was an up, like an upgrade. Um, it went moved to the now familiar asymmetrical headlights which I know some people hate. Um, I look at the R1150 and actually think it's quite a handsome-looking motorcycle. i, I got to say, I first looked at the asymmetrical headlights and went, I don't get it. It ruins my OCD. What's wrong here? But <laughs> yes, like, it, once you get past that, you can. I can definitely see them and go, yeah, I appreciate that. That is a BMW, and it's instantly recognisable. Yeah, it's... I don't know, it's, maybe we've got a copycat right over here with the Honda Rally with the asymmetrical headlights. That makes no sense in Honda um, thing. Maybe they're trying to copy BMW. Um, but it's honestly, I, I look at that and you look at the silhouette um, and basically from the R1150 onwards, the silhouette of what the top tier GS is has barely really changed. It's evolved, sure, but that overall silhouette has remained pretty much the same. Yeah, they had ABS, um, ABS got changed up. Um, you've got electronic um, induction. You've got a lar- slightly larger engine, uh, redu- redesigned bodywork, bigger fuel tank. Um, yeah, they changed quite a lot um, in the time between the 1100 and the 1150 and then they did it all over again for the 1200 but they kept up with the times which is which is what you like to see as well i mean it's not like they were just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at these bikes they were going well what can we do now let's put that on our flagship yeah and one of the things i love the most is that um bmw motorrad new zealand has always basically kitted out new zealand spec bikes um to the best of their ability um so um, quite, I believe it was 2017 or 2018, the R1200 GS um, was first given the option of a TFT dashboard. Um, and I, I know I say this a lot um, on our other podcast, but TFTs, man, like they make going through menus so easy. Um, I remember having on test at the same time a bike, a GS with and a GS without the TFT, and they all had the same technology inside. You had traction control, ABS, different rider modes, and it was so much easier to navigate with a TFT. You still had the same scroll wheel, uh, left handlebar um, controls, um, but just the way it displayed everything, really. Um, And yeah, it was a small change, but a big change in terms of rideability. And I think that's what BMW has done really well over the entire arc of the GS so far is they haven't just gone, this is our flagship, let's see what cool stuff we can do with it. It's been practical, usable stuff that they've bolted onto it. Like they don't have an electronically adjustable windscreen because that's unnecessary. Um, it's stuff like that. Though then again, um, moving on to the current generation GS, they have um, variable valve timing, which completely changes the engine characteristic. Um, and all for the better, um, in Ben Wilkins, editor of KR's um, eternal words, uh, that big GS adventure is a party couch. It's comfortable and it likes to move. And he was he was actually in that story, you, you might have heard, he was, um, he'd done the, the test on the smaller um, 
bike and he thought the smaller bike was going to be much better to ride than the big heavy R1250 GS Adventure but that's what he had available when we said we were going for a ride and he wanted to come and then he fell in love with it yeah and that ride changed my opinion on the adventure as well like for New Zealand that fuel tank is obscene <laughs> like I don't he barely had to t- I don't remember him fueling up pretty much at all that entire journey um, and it's a huge tank and it's such a large bulky motorcycle it's sort of it's so in your face because it's just got so much mass but then you ride it and you see what it can do in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing like Ben um, and it's just far and away gone off to the horizon and it just keeps going my first encounter with ben uh was we'd probably been riding for about an hour and i was tootling along the road was soaking wet but it was reasonably straight and then suddenly this this behemoth of a motorcycle is on its back wheel passing me (laughs) and i just remember out of the corner of my eye watching the the you know the whole paralever what is it the is it still a swing arm is is it yeah monolever the monolever monolever there you go just watching the whole setup with the back wheel just kind of flex and twist under torque while the front end of this this star is (laughs) off the ground Uh, it's uh it's honestly like the things some people can do like i do not have the confidence to do anything like that on most bikes let alone something the size of the r1250 gsa people can do it and people sort of love to do the whole spec sheet um comparisons and go well this specs is better for this and people go all right well a 21 inch wheel you need a 21 inch wheel if you're going to go off road and uh, have adventure rides and stuff but those gs's have a 19 and they do just fine um and i think the takeaway for me is um you can't just rely on spec sheets alone. You've got to see what the bikes can do in the hands of someone as talented as been right for riding as long as they have like Ben. And it can completely change your perspective. Which brings us to the present day. We've rattled through every single episode. I think the only one we haven't talked about is the um, uh, behind the scenes episode where we talked to uh, Ben about the GS rally and, and what to expect and where it was going. And we didn't really get much information out of him because he's sworn to secrecy. Um, <laughs> it was a good listen but, to him, but the, <laughs> It was a good listen. The, G, the GS rally is this weekend. Matt, this weekend. I can't wait. Can uh, you? This episode comes out on a Tuesday. This, this what, Thursday or Friday you'll be hitting the track? Uh, Friday early in the morning. I have a uh, babysitter in the form of my mum coming over to look after my two little ones. And I will have the bike packed on Thursday night, ready to leave uh, at Sparrow's Fart on the Friday to go down to Rotorua, meet Ben and uh, ride down south. And I'm fizzing, man. Oh, you, you and Ben heading south? Yes, with... Um, one other friend of his, I believe. Um, can't remember off the top oh, of my head. Is it Doug? Could be Doug. Um, yeah, could be could be Doug, the chap you met quite recently. Um, I'll have to check my messages. Um, but um, yes, it'll be um, Ben, myself, and someone else. And um, yeah, we'll be leaving early because um, not only do I have limited fuel range when I'm riding uh, flat out, um, but um, also my seat is about as comfortable as sitting on a block of wood. So, um, yeah, going to need uh, some refreshment stops 
quite regularly. We might stop for lunch. I have no idea what route we're planning to take, um, but I am absolutely looking forward to it because this will be the actual first time I will have ridden with the Red Baron. Um, and I'm quite keen to sort of uh, see how my bike holds up to the legend. Uh, my little Honda. I rally. might have to ride north on Friday uh, and meet you, and and you know, because I got the day off on Friday. I might have to head north, meet you somewhere, and then and then tootle back with you. Yeah, that sounds like a plan, man. Um, I think we need to uh, to get our uh, A and to G and plan a route so we can uh, do something. Maybe like that. maybe I head north to Tie Happy, and then we go through the Gentle Annie on the way back. Anyway, uh, we, we we have the event this weekend. It is the GS Rally 2020. But um, I guess we've, the whole series, the whole High Beam series, that's an overview of what was kind of going through our heads behind the scenes and what was happening uh, as we were putting the series together. Well, we're going to the GS Rally. It's in the beautiful Water Rapper. Uh, where are we? Uh, where will we be hanging out with? Uh, last count, 180 um riders are signed up for this thing um i was talking to vg the other day so um 180 riders that's easily double what turned up to last year uh, so it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun if you're around the wide upper you see a bunch of bmw bikes on the road this weekend toot your horn say g'day give them a wave um and we'll be recording the next uh kiwi rider podcast episode live on site over the course of the GS rally. So um, we'll bring you all the action. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Uh, but once again, thank you very much to BMW Motorrad New Zealand for uh, coming on board and helping us, uh, well, giving us a direction for the High Beam series. Uh, thank you very much to the BMW Club of Aotearoa New Zealand. Thank you very much to you for listening. Thank you, Matt, for uh, putting pen to paper and um, giving me something to talk about. Uh, thank you. Oh, thank you for doing all the hard words. And <laughs> thanks to uh, Kiwi Riders, uh, Ben Wilkins, uh, Pete McPhee, and all the other people involved behind the scenes putting the event on. Uh, I absolutely can't wait. It is going to be an awesome few days away from home, and I have been fizzing since we started this uh, recording this podcast. Um, just getting amped up, like. It's, I think the worst thing's going to be um, waking up on the Sunday morning and realising um, we've got another year to wait. Exactly. And if you've liked this series, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this podcast with a writing buddy of yours. And uh, if you if you really liked it, leave a comment and leave, let us know what you liked about it. If, um, if you liked it, let us know and we might be able to put together more uh, content like this series following the genesis uh, of the GS bikes from the 1980s right through to current day. If you like the sound of GS bikes, go and see your local BMW dealer and take one for a ride. This has been High Beam. Thanks for listening to High Beam, a BMW Motorrad New Zealand podcast produced by Kiwi Rider, celebrating 40 years of GS. Join us at the GS Rally, Wided Upper, November 2020, in association with BMW Motorrad New Zealand. All bikes welcome. For more info, head to facebook.com forward slash GS Rally NZ. That's G S R A L L Y E N Z. Thank you.